several years ago, uh, I, had, I had a really neat opportunity to do some training in New York City, uh, a couple of day training, and at the time we were living in South Central PA, and it was very intimidating to me, the idea of going to New York and trying to find my way around. So I actually made arrangements to stay with some friends who lived south of the city, and they helped me with figuring out bus routes and where I needed to go and what time I needed to be where. And so the first day went, went really well got into the city well ahead of time. In fact, so far ahead of time, I was there at the training before the trainers. And so all that went really well. Got home that night, and I said to my host, you know, I got there so early. Could we, is, is there maybe a later bus? You know, because I don't really need to be there that early. And, and so they got online, looked at the schedule, and they said, yeah, you were on the 6.30 bus this morning. You can get on the 6.50 bus. And I said, hey, 20 minutes extra, I'll, I'll take it. So the next morning, I, second morning I went there and I parked in the same parking lot. I knew what stand I was supposed to go to. So I go over there. And so the second day, I'm kind of like feeling pretty good about myself because I kind of know my way and how this works. Like the first day I went there and I thought everybody just herded in a big herd, you know, to get on the bus. And I found out that everybody stands in a nice line, single file to get on. And so the second day, I'm like, okay, I'll just go get in line. I know what I'm doing. And so I get on the bus and the bus leaves and I look back, and I see a line of people still standing there, and there are seats on the bus. And I thought, something is wrong. And I look at my watch, and it's 6.45. And I thought, oh, I got on the 6.45 bus, and I thought that all the buses from that stand went to the same place. Turns out that they, they don't. And so I had this moment of panic where I just, I thought, where is this bus going? And I started getting these visions of how this day was going to turn out. I thought, I'm, I'm going to miss my training. I'm going to be incredibly embarrassed when I, I get home. And I'm probably going to get mugged because that's what happens in New York City when you don't know where you're going. So all that's going through my mind. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so I turned to the guy next to me because my host told me, that people in New York City are much friendlier than we often think. Their, their reputation is, you know, negative, but they're, they're really very friendly. So I turned to him and I said, hey, um, is this bus going to the Port Authority Terminal? And he said, no, 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 this is going downtown to, to Wall Street. And I didn't know how far apart that was, but it didn't sound good. And uh, he was super friendly, and so he's like, hey, hey, no, but it's okay, because um, this bus usually makes an unplanned stop a couple of blocks from where you're going. Where, what building did you say you're going to? And I told him, he said, oh yeah, you can get off at this unplanned stop and then you can, you'll just have like a 15 minute walk. And I was like, okay, all turned out okay. So, so it all went well, training went well, it's all good. But here's the thing, when I got on that bus, I sincerely believed that that bus was gonna take me where I wanted to be, where I thought I was going. But in fact, I was dead wrong. Sometimes we think God is taking us somewhere, but we're just, we're, we're dead wrong. I mean, sometimes we, we may be in a job and we may think, okay, I'm due for a promotion. I've been working hard. I'm, I, you know, I've proven myself and I'm praying. I'm praying, 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 God, I think I just, I deserve this promotion and it just, it doesn't come. Uh, sometimes we have one of our kids is, is going off track. And we're very concerned about that. And, we, and so we are praying, 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 God, would you bring them back on track? We're envisioning it. We're picturing it. We're just, we're praying hard. And it's just not happening. 
Sometimes we, we find ourselves in a pit in life, in a valley, and it's because of choices that we ourselves have made. Maybe we've just done some dumb things financially, relationally. We find ourselves in this pit, and we're, we're praying, God, God, I know I did something dumb, but, but you're a God who rescues people, right? So, God, I'm trusting you to, to rescue me, and it's just, it's not happening. And sometimes we forget that God is a bus driver, not a taxi driver or an Uber driver. See, God is a bus driver. He's going where he's going. We, we sometimes treat him like he's an Uber driver, and I'm hiring him to take me where I want to go. But we learn the hard way that he's, he doesn't operate that way. We have a, a phrase that has worked its way in, into our culture, a, a person of faith. And we say that very respectfully. And we respect people who think differently than, than we do, believe differently than, than we do. But what we learn is that it's not just about believing something really hard. It's not just about sincerely believing something. That, that's not what faith is about. And even in the Christian community, you, you may have heard this phrase of, of name it and claim it. There, there are those who believe that if I name something that I believe God would want to do in my life, and I just, I claim it, well, God surely is going to do that. And I just pray with all my might that God is obligated somehow to fulfill that. And you may know someone like I do who has been disappointed by that kind of faith. I, I know a, a woman that I grew up with. She was actually the youth leader in my church when I was growing up. She was a sweet, sweet, godly woman, loved the Lord, served him with all of her heart. And I learned after I had graduated from, from high school and moved on, I learned that she had contracted cancer. And she was of a mindset that I, I don't need to get any kind of treatment because God is going to heal me. I believe that God is going to heal me. And I, I honestly don't know with the kind of cancer that she had if treatment would have helped her or not. But she didn't do any treatment. She just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, prayed hard, believed hard, and she passed away from that, that cancer. God did not heal her. And this morning, as we look again at the story of Joseph, I, I want to dismantle a misconception that we sometimes have about faith. And, and when we believe that God is obligated to, to answer our prayer just because we pray it really hard, we can become very disillusioned when he doesn't come through in that. And, and so... This is important for all of us this morning because we're all going to hit points in life. We probably already have, but we definitely will in the future where we're going to hit those points in life where we're calling out to God and saying, God, I need you to intervene. And when that happens, we need to understand how faith actually operates so that we can know what to expect from him. So we're going to look again at Genesis, Genesis chapter 41. If you would turn there with me, Genesis 41 is on page 38. We've been watching a young man named Joseph navigate a path to a dream that God gave him when he was a young 17-year-old man, a dream that showed that Joseph was one day going to be in a position of influence, of authority, and the path to that dream so far has taken him through a pit, a literal pit in the ground, and then being sold into slavery then being accused of a crime that he did not commit, so thrown into another pit that was a prison, 
And then if you were here with us last week, he interpreted some dreams for one person in particular that he thought when he got out of prison might uh, say a good word for him and get him sprung, but it did not happen. And so uh, today we pick up, after 13 years of Joseph being torn away from his family, we pick it up today with a third set of dreams. So the first set of dreams was Joseph's own dreams about his future. The second set was last week with the baker and the cupbearer. Today we're going to see some dreams that Pharaoh of Egypt had, starting in verse 1 of Genesis 41. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile, and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows, and Pharaoh awoke. All right, so Pharaoh woke up. I'm thinking maybe in a cold sweat, like this is a weird, creepy dream. Like I I think it's good with scripture, I think it's always good to like really meditate on things and try to picture it and flesh it out in your mind with this particular picture. Like I'm thinking, okay, we got scrawny, ugly cows eating plump cows. Did they swallow them in one bite? Did they eat them bite by bite? I, I don't know. What was it? I mean, this is like cow cannibalism here. It's just, it's weird. So weird. I'm sure you've had weird dreams too, right? You know, pizza before dinner and that kind of thing. So he had this weird dream. I'm thinking after that, I'm not sure I want to go back to sleep, but he does. Verse five, he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. Fortunately, this one is not as creepy. Behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning, his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. So this must have been very frustrating to Pharaoh. I mean, he calls all of these guys, these magicians, these scientists, there was actually in that day a science of dream interpretation because people believed that the way that God's communicated to humans was through dreams. So there's this whole science to figure out what do dreams mean. In fact, that was true because the one true God is communicating to, to people through these dreams, but nobody is able to figure out what's going on. So verse 9, then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, oh yeah, I remember my offenses today. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me, in the chief, put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about, I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. The cupbearer finally remembers, oh, I know a guy. I remember this. I mean, he, he's very precise about how he interpreted the dreams. They were very specific and it very specifically came true, just as, as Joseph told. Maybe he can help you out, Pharaoh. So, verse 14, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. 
And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. All right, let's pause there for just a second. Okay, so kind of picture this scene. Okay, Joseph, young man, I mean, fresh out of prison. Okay, so he's a convict. Now, he's a Hebrew and he's a convict, and he's standing before one of the most powerful men in the world in his throne room, and Pharaoh's like, okay, you have a turn now to, to interpret my dream. I've had all these guys in here. They can't do it. I'm, I'm leaning on you now. Can you interpret it? So the, the pressure is on. And I'm thinking if I'm Joseph, I mean, he's got a couple of options here. I mean, one is he, he could be a little cocky. I mean, he could be like, Oh, yeah, Pharaoh. Yeah, I do that dream interpretation thing. I've had some success with that. Lay it on me. What'd you dream? So he could be like that. Probably not. Coming right out of prison 13 years later after his own dream. Maybe more likely, I'm thinking if I'm Joseph, maybe there's a little doubt in there. I mean, Pharaoh seems pretty confident. I've heard that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And if I'm Joseph, I might be thinking, yeah, Pharaoh, I'm not, I'm not sure. Because, I mean, it's been a while since I had some dreams and they haven't really panned out the way I thought they were going to. So that's, that's kind of what I might think Joseph's response is going to be. But let's see what his response actually is. Because it's pretty amazing when you consider that he's been through two pits and 13 years of waiting. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. See, Joseph's statement here is is an incredible statement of faith, what faith actually is. See, faith is not believing that God will fix our problems. Faith is believing that God will fulfill his promises. See, we get this mixed up many times because we, we think the world all revolves around us. And so we think that Faith is about God fixing whatever's wrong with our life. If Joseph thought that faith was about God fixing his problems, he would have given up a long time ago because it it was not panning out that way. But Joseph understands that God is not obligated to fix our problems. He is only obligated to fulfill what he has actually promised. God is the bus driver. He's not obligated to take us where we want to go. He does obligate himself to take us where he wants to take us. So, so that's Joseph's statement of faith. So verse 17, Pharaoh tells his dreams. Pharaoh said to Joseph, behold, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. And you, you know the story already, so I'll go through it quickly. Seven other cows came up, poor, ugly, thin, Never seen anything like that. The thin, ugly cows ate up the first plump cows. But when they had eaten, no one would have known that they had eaten them, but they were still just as ugly as at the beginning. Woke up, verse 22. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good. Seven ears withered, thin, blighted, sprouted after them. Thin ears swallowed up the seven good good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. All right, now Joseph is going to interpret the dream. And I want you to listen for a concept here that gets repeated several times. As Joseph says, God has revealed. 
God used these dreams to reveal, to show you something. Pharaoh, verse 25, Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven ears, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. All right, so again, picture this scene. Hebrew young man, fresh out of jail, confronting Pharaoh, saying, Pharaoh, there, here's what he's saying. There's a God who's bigger than you are, and he has something planned, and there is nothing you can do to stop it. I mean, picture the audacity of that, particularly because Pharaoh considers himself a God. And here is this young man saying, there's somebody bigger than you. He's driving a bus. Here's the direction it's going. If you want to save yourself, you need to get on the bus. And Pharaoh will have a choice to make. Is he going to trust? Is he going to respond? Or is he just going to keep going his merry way? Is he just going to go and say, okay, plenty, plenty, plenty. I'm not going to prepare. He's going to have a choice to make. Joseph doesn't stop at telling the meaning of the dream, though. He goes on and he gives an idea for how to handle the situation. He offers a solution. Verse 33 Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and let him and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. And so Pharaoh is impressed. Okay, he, he gives a meaning of the dream and he gives the solution. Verse 37, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over all my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. Wow, this is amazing. So Joseph goes from the pit to the palace in one day. I mean, he's now being promoted to be the second in command to, to Pharaoh. I mean, his dream is coming true. And we might say he's an overnight success if the night is 13 years long. You see, if Joseph thought that faith means God fixing our problems, he would have given up a long time ago, but Joseph knows 
that faith is really about God fulfilling his promises. And so this Pharaoh has, he had a choice. Is he going to listen to what the one true God says and respond, or will he not? And he, he chose to listen. 400 years later, there will be another Pharaoh who will have forgotten all about Joseph, will have forgotten all about plenty and famine. And God will come to this Pharaoh and say, I am going to bring judgment on you unless you let my people go. And that Pharaoh did not listen. And God brought judgment to the tune of a decimation of his country. And so for us today, this is a little bit off track from what we're talking about here, but I think it's important. Because you and I need to decide what kind of Pharaoh we're going to be, what kind of response we're going to have when God comes to us. God comes to us saying, there is a day of judgment coming. There's a day of judgment coming because of the sin in the world that God will judge and remove because of the damage that we cause to one another, the pain that we inflict on one another. There's, there's a day of judgment coming for us as individuals, and we will have to give an account for our lives and the sin that we have committed. And God says, how will you respond? Will you respond like the Pharaoh of Joseph's day, or will you respond like the Pharaoh 400 years later and reject what I say and say, well, I'll just, I'll just make the most of it. See, God has provided a passageway, a rescue from that day of judgment. And his name is Jesus. So this, this would be a point where Rabbi Aaron and I differ and he would teach something different in his congregation. And so we believe that, that Jesus is the bus. If God is the bus driver, Jesus is the bus. And God says, I'm providing a way for you to go and it's through Jesus. We looked at this verse from 1 Thessalonians at the end of, of last week's message. Paul said, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. See, God provided, God provided a deliverance in the day when he brought judgment to Egypt. He provided it through the Passover and he provides a deliverance for us through Christ, and the choice that we will have to make is, do we be like Pharaoh number one or Pharaoh number two? All right, back to Joseph, verse 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, and clothed him in garments of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck. Can you imagine all the people who are watching this display go on and just how he is being elevated in such an amazing way? Verse 43, they made him ride in his second chariot, and they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Do you remember where we heard phrase bow the word bow before back in genesis 37 7 when when J joseph was telling his first dream we were binding sheaves in the field and behold my sheaf arose and stood upright and behold your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf 
And in his second dream, he said, I've, I've dreamed that the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. The dreams are, are coming true. Because Joseph's faith was not about God fixing his problems. If they were, he would have given up. He believes that God is going to fulfill his promises. You may be in a valley right now. You may be in a pit in your life right now. Financial, maybe you're buried under something. You're just like, I don't see how I can get out of here. You, you would love for God to fix that problem in your life. Maybe it's relational and you, you used to be close to someone and there has become a divide there that you just, you don't know how to fix. You wish that God would fix. You're crying out to God to fix that problem. Maybe it's, maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's a spiritual problem that you're facing. You, you have believed something one way all of your life and God has been introducing new concepts to you that are stretching you. And you're saying, I, I, I don't know how to put this together. I've got this cognitive dissonance going on. And you wish that God would fix that. When you face a problem, you have an opportunity to exercise faith. But it's not faith that God will fix your problem. It's faith that God will fulfill his promises. Jesus said in John 15, he said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, a lot of times we skip to the end of that verse too fast. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And we cut off the first part, which Jesus says, you need to abide in me and let my words abide in you. As we let his words abide in us and we understand what God has said, then it starts to transform what we ask for. Because we want to be asking for the things that God has promised. Those are the things that he will come through on and will fulfill. See, we can't, we can't as we talk about faith and we talk about trust, it's really hard to trust someone we don't know. And it's really hard to know someone that we don't communicate with. So that day when I got on the wrong bus, if I had just talked to the bus driver and said, where are you going? We could have kind of solved all of that right from the beginning. But I didn't talk to him. I didn't find out where this bus was going. And if we want to understand what God is doing in life, we need to talk with him. We need to spend time with him. We need to hear from him. We need to spend time. We need to start out our day reading his word and letting it soak into us. This can't just be a Sunday morning thing when you come and let somebody else share what I got out of reading the, the Bible. You need to read it for yourself. You need to commit it to your memory. As I, as I, I you need to get it in, your, that's letting God's word abide in your heart. I found a great app. We've talked before about the YouVersion app, which is a great way to read your Bible on, on your phone. I found another app that has been really helpful for me lately, and it is the, the Bible Memory app. If you're interested in that, email me and I'll, I'll send you a link to it. But the Bible Memory app is helping me as I get older. I used to be able to memorize stuff a lot easier. Now it's much harder, and this is helping me with a little technology to, to figure out how I can get God's word into my heart. So, so one verse that I'm working on memorizing right now, and I don't have it totally memorized, so that's why I have it open here on my phone. Um, the Lord is, this is Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. 
So as I'm getting that into my mind and into my heart and I'm going through my day and going through my week and I come up against a point where I'm feeling like I'm feeling a little vulnerable here and feeling like I need a little protection, I come back to the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. That's a choice that I make. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. We, we all need to be doing that. We need to be spending time. See, it's really hard to know what promises God is going to fulfill. If faith is that God is going to fulfill his promises, we need to know what he has promised so we will know what it is that he's obligated himself to fulfill. We need to spend time understanding that. What we need to do is cultivate in, in our lives a, a history of, of knowing how God works in our lives, and we start with that. You may not have any history of God working in your life. So start with, we all start with the history of where God has worked in the lives of others. And so we look at what God has done in history, and then we start practicing that in our own life. God, I'm holding on to your promise. Wow, I see how you came through in that. So then we're creating our own history. And speaking of history, back to, to this scene here with with joseph verse verse 46 kind of the conclusion of this whole scene and really in some ways the whole story joseph was 30 years old that's how we know by the way the the timeline of what happened here joseph was 17 when he was sold as a slave now he's 30 years old when he entered the service of pharaoh king of egypt and joseph went out from the presence of pharaoh and went through all the land of egypt during the seven plentiful years the earth produced abundantly and he gathered up all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of egypt and put the food in the cities he put in every city the food from the fields around it, and Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. How's that for a happy ending? I mean, I, okay, I'm, I'm just going to be really honest with you. If, if, if I step back from the story of Joseph and I look at the trajectory, I think, is it really, it, it seems a little far-fetched, Right? I mean, if I'm honest, I mean, here is this Hebrew kid gets displaced, put into slavery, jail, all this stuff. And now here he is, the second in command in, in Egypt. And I think it sounds a little far-fetched until I read things like an article I read in the BBC a couple years ago. This is an article from 2009. Some studies were done in ice cores found in Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. Okay, this is all gonna tie together here in a minute, so stick with me. All right, so we've got a, a map up here. Tanzania is at the bottom of the map. Uh, the Nile flows north. And so these studies were done that revealed that a drought took place 3,600 years ago, right about the time when the Bible sets the story of Joseph. But not only that, right about the same time, there was a canal built, that was built uh, on, on the Nile to keep the land fertile, to make the most of whatever little bit of water there would be in, in the Nile. This canal was so effective, it is still in use today. Now, here's the kicker. The name of the canal in Arabic is Bar Yusef, which translates into English as the waterway of Joseph. Coincidence, could it be that a little Hebrew boy grew up and became prime minister 
of Egypt. I don't think that's a coincidence. So Pharaoh's dreams came true. Joseph's are coming true. This would be a great place for a happy ending, except for the fact that there's some unfinished business. Very last verse of this chapter, 57. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. Over all the earth, including a dusty land called Canaan where 11 brothers are pretty hungry. And we will pick that up next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God who keeps your promises. The reality of the people in our lives is that they, they vary in their trustworthiness. And, and, and as much as they may want to keep all of their promises, a lot of times they don't. But you are a God who will fulfill every promise that you have made. Lord, forgive us for picturing you and approaching you as a God who is there to fix our problems. Forgive us, God, for making the world all about us. And Lord, help us to recognize that you are a God who is in control of the events of history, that you are driving a bus towards your predetermined ends, and you invite us to be part of what you are doing, and along the way, you will fulfill everything that you have said. And so, Lord, I pray for the person here today who is hurting, who is desperately needing your intervention in their lives. Thank you, Lord, that you care about us personally and you care about our personal situations. And you love it when we grab hold of the things that you have, in fact, said and promised and that we hold on to those things and order our lives around that and trust you to fulfill those things. Lord, help us. Give us the grace, the energy to, to do that, the discernment to do that. And Lord, for, for those who are here today who have not yet embraced Christ as the bus that you have provided to rescue us from the wrath that is to come, Lord, we just thank you for your grace and your kindness in offering a, a perfect sacrifice in our place to cleanse away our sin. Lord, we need your cleansing. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts according to your perfect will this morning and draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray.